I'm Adam Bulka, and this is The Great Supply Chain Podcast. I'll be talking to supply chain experts from around the world, experts who are tackling challenges in their corner of the industry. People are change makers that drive innovation. That's why this supply chain podcast is about learning from those who lead by example. I hope that the conversations you hear will inspire you to drive change within your organization. Let's jump in. Welcome to the Great Supply Chain Podcast. I'm Adam Polka, and thanks for tuning in. In a survey published by McKinsey last month, healthcare executives were asked, what are the critical elements of a high-performing supply chain? And if you're from industry, you might point to quality control or efficiency or margin. The top three elements that healthcare executives identified were, one, target to reduce cost per case variability. Number two, physician committees that drive contract strategy, and three, dedicated personnel to engage with clinicians. The list goes on with a series of elements all connected to clinical collaboration. And doesn't that really highlight just how unique that healthcare supply chain really is? Those top-line priorities are all connected to what's happening at the bedside. And so we're doing something a little bit different this episode in honor of National Healthcare Supply Chain Week, which kicks off today, October 2nd. Thanks to Andre, a loyal listener of this show, who recommended a compilation episode to celebrate this important week, we thought it would be a great opportunity to reintroduce you to some of our healthcare supply chain guests and highlight some of the most compelling conversations. On today's episode, we'll touch on collaboration between supply chain and clinical teams, how healthcare supply chain teams can align themselves with data, finance, outcomes, and the continuum of care, and how healthcare organizations are addressing some of the most pressing challenges they face, like labor, sourcing, and supply chain design. The McKinsey survey revealed three key themes, clinical engagement, goal setting, and data and analytics. As we listen in to the wise words of Betty Jo Rocchio, Randy Bradley, Hayes Waldrop, and others, let me offer a sincere thank you to those who have dedicated their professional lives to the healthcare industry. Let's jump in. I am the Senior Vice President and System Chief Nursing Officer in the Mercy Health System. We started initially with our very first group called IHES. That's our hospital CEO group. Soon thereafter, we started the um, supply chain group, the Council of Supply Chain Executives, and then most recently, uh, the pharmacy group. I'm an associate professor at the University of Tennessee in Information Systems and Supply Chain Management. I'm at Texas, and I started here to really expand my knowledge to learn about inventory management. Betty Jo Rocchio from Mercy. Our team on the clinical side, since we have the patient close to us, we always feel like what we need is most important. Yes. So it was a real game changer when we sat down with supply chain frontline and our OR frontline team and designed the system together. We just not done a project like that before. So we didn't take anything on in this project that didn't meet both of our needs. Um, if, it, if one of us had to suffer while one of us gained, regardless of what we were looking at, we went back to the drawing table and developed something that worked out better. That's a great point and, and just a huge takeaway, I think, that what's right for supply chain is not always right for clinicians, and what's right for clinicians is not always right for supply chain and, and, and any of that. You can, you can tie that back into any part of healthcare. So bringing the right people early into these phases, whether it's IT, clini clinical especially, when it affects their, the way they take care of patients, it's just huge, and I, and I love that. 
Well, and so you bring up a really good point I didn't mention. IT is huge in this, right? Because when you look at it, it's a huge infrastructure change for IT. Um, And so having them at the table at the same time is key so they can figure out what they can do on their end to facilitate that flow that we're talking about between supply chain. If you bring them in at the end of it, you generally end up um, not getting what you need in a timely manner because they've got important processes they have to play in all this. It's not easy to connect um, disparate systems and try to make one continuous flow after the fact. We know that by working with Texas, it's, that's that's probably some of the hardest work is how do you make the technology work into the workflow that you want to design? And it's it takes all of us. Yeah. And I think the earlier we can tear down those silos and those those roadblocks or whatever the, the cliche may be, breaking those down as soon as possible in a process like this is just it's keys to success. So as we introduce a data driven methodology, kind of what are some of the ways that you feel and, and, and you guys have used uh, in your own world analytics and, you know, just key improvement measures, process improvement measures? How has that improved uh, nursing clinical efficiency? Well, so when you take a look at it, um, the OR generates large data sets. Here's the problem with it. We have data sets on the supply chain side and we have data sets on the perioperative side, right? One is about inventory, mm-hmm. usually, those data sets on the supply chain side. And the other data set on, on our clinical side is really around patient things. And so we've got supply chain working in an ERP system, right? We use yep. Lawson. Yep. And we've got um, the clinical side working in um, the EMR, which is Epic. Um, They are both documentation systems for different things, but there's no system of action in there. Um, And so when you start to do that, what you notice is having individual analytic data sets that we can't both see and work off of really drives the wrong workflow. And so where you're going two different roads, you're going down two different paths. Yeah, you're in two lanes, right? But here's the thing that I learned as I tried to clean up preference cards, right? That's the main goal is preference card accuracy for Mm -hmm. both of us, actually. Mm -hmm. That's the common set, right, that says we either made it or we didn't, right, around preference card accuracy. But even the definitions around preference card accuracy are different on the supply chain side because we're working in a different system. Hayes Waldrop, founder and president of the Institute of Healthcare Executives and Suppliers, and uh, so how do you, and, mm-hmm. you know, and there's a point where the health system, I, I mean, I feel for their pain because on the CEO side, and Bill, this kind of goes back to the ultimate question is, you know, top line revenue in many cases is lower because they're not doing as many surgeries because they're, they don't have the workforce to staff 200 beds. They're only staffing 170 beds. Well, so, you know, that's down. But meanwhile, their labor spend is up dramatically. And, you know, and they, their whole issue is when's it going to come down? You know, if we start paying, particularly with travelers, nurses and all these others, they're paying, I mean, literally their, their nurses getting paid 150, $175 an hour. And that's ridiculously a lot of money. And so at what point can you start paying that pharmacy tech, that warehouse worker enough so that you can keep them or, or go grab them? But again, revenues are down. <laughs> and so it's a tough, tough, 
uh, dilemma. And I don't know, uh, other than automation, digitizing things, you know, less hands touching things, you know, when we're going to totally get out of this. Yeah, I'm sure that you're probably probably seeing um, more talk from some of the supply chain leaders that may have come from outside of the industry. You know, some of these guys have have a background in, you know, manufacturing or things of that nature. So those guys are really bringing a different lens to look through, right? Yeah. Uh, in my conversation just yesterday, um, and I won't bring his name up, but he's well known and he just got a great new job. But he has a background uh, he started in the industry, in the implant side, went to the GPO side. Now he's running a, a, a system um, as a supply chain executive. And one thing that he kept on talking about was he wanted complete transparency from all the way from the manufacturer to literally his dock. And obviously, you know, there's been a reticent for decades that companies don't want to share you know, their manufacturing times, where the raw materials come from, when it's getting here, when it's on the on the ship, when it they don't want to share some of that stuff. But that is where I think ultimately to have a true end-to-end solution, that's where we've got to be. Uh, and there's going to have to be, um, but I mean, I think that goes both ways. They're going to have to, you know, for a company be willing to kind of show all that information, you know, you're going to have to have uh, they're going to say, well, I need guaranteed market share. I need this or that. I mean, there's going to be a lot of give or take. But I do think um, that's where we've got to go to truly make this efficient and lower our cost. Well, we got to look at it from a, a bigger view and get out of our get out of our little world. Yeah, just following up on that, and I think this is this is a really good uh, direction to talk about because we go out into into health systems and we talk to them. And supply chain are all talking about self-distribution. They're talking about forecasting, effective forecasting, talking about um, bulk purchase, uh, standardization, all these kind of things. And yet, when we talk to pharmacy, it's a very different conversation. It's a very different type of conversation as regards their adoption of best practices around supply chain and how... um, how much of that journey they're willing to go down. Why do you think there's that misalignment between uh, the practices adopted in pharmacy versus the practices that are being adopted in, in supply chain when it comes? Because pharmacy is really at its embryonic point with those kind of uh, ideas, right? That's a good question, too. And I think uh, the way I would answer that, and the, what I think is probably what's driving that difference is it's so clinical. I mean, we're, we're literally talking about things we're putting in patients, right? And, you know, it, it goes to the doc, to the pharmacist. I mean, we're really, really, you know, they're really concerned about that drug, that, you know, that whatever it is. Meanwhile, on supply chain, it could be a drape, it could be a gown, it could be a bed. Dr. Randy Bradley, Associate Professor of Information Systems and Supply Chain Management at the University of Tennessee. Healthcare thought globally, but they really didn't think globally, right? right? They knew there was this thing about a global supply chain. They just never realized that they could be affected by it. And so with that long, lean, brittle supply chain, it was extremely fragile. So one of the things I've consistently said, the healthcare supply chain is not broken. It is performing as it was designed. We're just trying to use it in a way it wasn't designed to be used. And I think that has called both supply chain leaders and other healthcare administrators to really rethink and try to reimagine what should our supply chain operations look like. So that's interesting. And, and it's a thread that I've seen 
as well in other industries. So I want to get your take on this. Is it a lot of lip service that we're going to rethink how we measure and look at supply chains? Are people actually taking action? Or are we still sort of hamstrung by our friends in finance who say, hey, this working capital, I'm going to shrink it down to as little as possible. I'm going to deliver your inventory just in time because I don't want it in my books. Oh, guess what? Michael Delt did that, right? Where he never held any inventory mm -hmm. and all the inventory was held for two hours while I was building things. So, yes, you know what? We'll give it lip service now because we were in a pandemic. But in a, six months, a year, we're going to go back to our old ways. Do you think that, that is, this, is this sort of a, a reaction or is this going to create a fundamental change in how... We manage, run, measure our supply chains. I, I think long term, it will create a fundamental change. Currently, that's not what we're seeing. In, in fact, when I, the data that I have that I've collected from healthcare supply chain leaders, 85% of them were saying prior to the pandemic, their primary approach to inventory management for MedSurge was JIT. And then when the pandemic hit, they then went to JIC, just in case. Okay. And so they started to, to hoard, and, and overstock was a thing. And so I, I love the fact that you brought in the financial executives. But in this case, it wasn't the financial executives. It was the supply chain leaders. Although they had an opportunity to be a more strategic player, they proved that they could not rise to the level because they were making inventory management decisions that were negatively impacting profit margins that were already raised with ends. I mean, mm. going to that JIC didn't fix. Now, JIT wasn't viable, right. but there's a middle ground, right? And what, what it exposed was we just did not have that level of expertise to know how to properly navigate. And I'm speaking in general. Mm. Now, there are facilities that did a fabulous job of this, but we have more that did not. Mm. And so when we always say supply chain wanted a seat at the table, I've always said, what good is it to have a seat if you don't have a voice? Right. And then what is it good is it have a voice if no one cares what you say? <laughs> right. And that's kind of been the, the trajectory that we've seen in healthcare supply chain. So the question is, is, is it going to change? I think what you're going to see is a lot of back and forth over the next five years between JIT and JIC because they don't want to be caught in this situation where they don't have what they need. And you and I both know there are other ways to do this. Right, right. But, but this whole direct to supplier, I'm amazed at how many health systems say, I have no mechanism in place to buy direct from a supplier. The process does not exist. Interesting. They have become so dependent on distributors and even more so dependent on group purchasing organizations to do the negotiations on their behalf, but they don't have that expertise in-house. So that brings me to a question which I know we could spend hours on and it could get messy, but you brought up distributors. What do you think? I mean, it feels as if, and correct me if I'm wrong, it feels as if one of the issues is that, you know, we off offloaded a lot of this decision making to distributors. Why? It's like, hey, I don't want to worry about my inventory. Let someone else who handles fulfillment and logistics and warehousing, mm -hmm. they can handle that. All of a sudden I realized, well, if I'm having them handle it, I'm. I'm just one of many. That's right. So if I feel like I need it, they're like, well, get in line. Right. So all of a sudden now what we're seeing in our space for us here in Texas is more like CSCs, right? Mm -hmm. So they're going to they're gonna start doing this themselves. They're going to take over the distribution model themselves. What do you see happening in that space? Because obviously distributors aren't going to go away quietly. No. And the hospital networks, you know, so what, what, what are you seeing? Where's, where's this going? One thing, we're seeing consolidation in the distributor space. Right, just like we've seen in the GPO space. If you go back to 2015, look at the number of GPOs we had versus how many major ones. There are only about four or five now. Right, that we have that are major. Of course, you still have the regional alliances and things of that nature. I think you're going to continue to see the same thing with distributors.
with Texas's own Carrie Gorman. You know, I, I think data has always been important. It always comes up with any, um, you know, ERP or EMR implementation. But in the end, your data is going to only be as strong as your inventory processes and the visibility across your organization in all departments. You've got supply chain, finance, clinical. I'm curious, where are they naturally aligned and where are they clearly misaligned? So I would say that all three of the groups are aligned on the top priority of the organization, and that's the best patient care, uh, ensuring the best possible outcomes for the patient. And where they're not always aligned is with data. However, they need data in order to achieve each of their individual goals. When I, you know, when I was at GHX, definitely focused on focusing on uh, data management and keeping your data, your item master, you know, clean. It was clear that it was not a very, it was not a natural and obvious um, task for any healthcare organization. So by you know, aligning your data and align, or really sharing your activities and aligning your data is going to ensure success across the departments. So, because I mean, when I think of the data at GHX, it was really to support projects like IT projects. But now I'm starting to see at Texas that in order to have clean data, yes, a data cleansing solution is important, but it's only going to be sustainable if you truly have visibility into your inventory utilization and um, what's being used across the hospital, you know, tracking to consumption and doing that accurately and not missing charges and, you know, having, you know, really having a precise process of managing your inventory utilization is going to get you there. So, so Carrie, why should, why should an organization care? What, What are some of the biggest advantages of having seamless collaboration between the three organizations, supply chain, finance, and clinicians. And, and, and how does that actually affect the bottom line of the health system? Yeah, so the, the bottom line really is the more alignment between supply chain, finance, and the clinical staff, the better for everyone. Finance knows where the dollars are going. Clinicians have the supplies they need to focus on patient care. And then supply chain has visibility into what is being used and in what they need to purchase to ensure that the supplies are at the right place at the right time to provide the, you know, the best patient care. And so when there's not collaboration, there tends to be a snowball effect that can trickle into more negative events that may not be ideal for an organization. Um, and you know, it's usually a hospital is focused on the cost. If they don't have visibility into what's being used, they don't know where their dollars are being spent. So that could impact you know, maybe higher procedure costs or maybe pay cuts or even layoffs and you know, eventually an acquisition or a merger. And, you know, we've been talking about um, the quadruple aim for years and everybody's heard it because when you have collaboration between these different groups, you're able to achieve the quadruple aim, which is consisting of better patient experience, improving outcomes, reducing costs and improving the work life of your clinicians. So I had worked with the interim director of supply chain at an organization and uh, she was telling me that, you know, she really went in to clean up and, and improve their processes. And uh, within her first six months there, she had received a standing ovation from the nursing staff when she walked into a meeting because uh, she identified that uh, she tracked nurses hours um, every week for putting uh, inventory back on the shelves. She said it was about 12 hours per area. 
And that's a wrap. Thank you to all of the guests featured today, and my sincere thank you for the important work that you do in your facilities and your community. With all of the distractions that each day brings, one thing is for sure. You have to ensure that your supply chain system is working in lockstep with your clinical teams. I'm Adam Polka, and until next time, this has been The Great Supply Chain Podcast. Well, that's it for this episode, folks. I hope our guests sparked some new ideas and inspired you to push the boundaries of supply chain. New podcasts will be published on the first of every month. In the meantime, please reach out with your thoughts or questions or even an idea for a future episode. You can email us at texaspodcast at texas.com. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you get notified as soon as a new episode goes live. And please share it with a colleague and leave a review. Until then, this has been the Great Supply Chain Podcast. I'm Adam Polka, and thank you for tuning in.